Hello and welcome to this EG podcast from the UK Reef Conference in Leeds. I'm Tim Burke, EG's Deputy Editor, and I'm sitting with Shona Southern, Managing Director at Marketing Manchester, an agency that promotes the city on the national and international stage. And we're talking about how Greater Manchester's economy and ecosystem can drive its status as a top city for innovation and excellence, and why being a leading destination for foreign investment will create a greener and more prosperous region for local communities. Shona, thanks for joining EG today. Great, thanks for inviting me, Tim. What is Manchester's pitch today as an investment proposition, either on the domestic stage or if we look internationally about money coming into the city? So our investment proposition is based on, you know, where we came from in terms of a city of uh, ambition and progressive thinking. So it goes back to the roots of the city and the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, what started the city in terms of uh, being a city of trailblazers, a city of firsts, you know, Alan Turing, Ellis Lowry, Emmeline Pankhurst, those change makers uh, of, of ambition and, and forward thinking right up to the current day of that ambition runs through into our development plans uh, and the infrastructure that you see now today. How would you define the city's ambition at the moment? How much changes ahead? And, you know, we're speaking at an event, obviously, where every city wants to map out a master plan for a, for a new grand future and to show how it's revamping the, the centre of that town or, or city. Can you capture for us what, what Manchester is looking to achieve when it, looks, when it looks ahead at new opportunities? So I think in terms of the uh, continued development over the last three years with COVID, you know, 95% of our planning developments actually went ahead. We've still got the most cranes on the city skyline in terms of the development that we're putting forward in the city. I think it is based on those sector strengths of public and private partnership coming together to deliver a really strong plan, whether it be in the local authorities or right across the combined authority with the, you know, that mayoral leadership. So those sector strengths in terms of infrastructure becoming a world-class destination, not only for the infrastructure, but that's layered underneath underpinning in terms of a real commitment to culture and arts, to new opportunities for both people and investors. Are the sectors that drive the city's success changing? What are some of the new areas that feel like they could really open up, open up new doors for, for Manchester? I think in terms of our uh, what we call frontier sectors, our priority sectors, they have of course changed. Uh, you know, when I took this job over seven years ago, concretine hadn't been invented, so that you know, advanced materials and uh, really in terms of that advanced manufacturing side of things, uh, in the graphene side, the Wonder 2, uh, 2D materials hadn't been invented. So that advanced manufacturing is really driving uh, the innovation in terms of, the, of that sector. Digital, of course, has changed uh, hugely and we welcomed in um, several sector leaders. Uh, of course, we've got e-commerce, which is right across our um, Manchester's landscape because of our, I guess, our heritage in that retail and Cottonopolis is then those businesses have stayed. So we've got huge dot-com businesses that are um, in our infrastructure now. So that digital side. 
And of course, on the financial and professional side, we're the biggest in terms of that sector outside of London. So businesses that rely on financial and professional sectors can base themselves here, not have to rely on going to London for their, um, for their support. But of course, low carbon, really strong in terms of that uh, development. And we've set a target in Greater Manchester, which is way ahead of the national target of 2050. Ours is 2038, so you know some years ahead of the targets to try and get to that neutrality in carbon, and we can see that being borne out with initiatives like um, the B Network, which is travel transport for everyone, and some of those other initiatives like uh, our uh, low carbon heat source energy uh, systems across the city. So. You know, we're leading edge. We are learning, of course, in terms of, of, of those uh, of, of that of that sector. As the city embraces some of those new sectors and they start to really prove their worth in terms of driving economic growth, does it change the locations that Manchester competes with, either within the UK or sort of elsewhere in the world? Does it mean that you start thinking about who your biggest competitors are in attracting investment? in maybe a slightly different way because the sectors have shifted? Of course, and, and no more than digital because the, on the digital side, what we try and do is benchmark against other cities across the world that are doing a, a, a good job in that side. We've always looked to perhaps the States in terms of the digital infrastructure, uh, but I think we are embedding that through our fibre network across uh, Greater Manchester in terms of trying to keep up with that, those hygiene factors that are necessary for investors and businesses to, to be attracted to, to the region. And of course, it's with talent over time, um, you know, our talent with such great universities, we've got five universities across Greater Manchester. And to fulfill that talent pipeline, the idea is to keep those students and retain them after they've finished studying and retain them into those businesses. And we've seen the, a, a distinct move in that, that side of things. So, Probably a decade ago, those students would be going to London or overseas for higher wages, more opportunities in terms of careers. But now we can see them staying in Manchester because the careers and the, the opportunities now are in, in, in Manchester too. Does that then create challenges in terms of pressure on infrastructure, in terms of homes for these, these people to be living in? You know, that, that's a great success to be able to retain that talent and keep it in the city. But what added pressure does that then put on Manchester? Of course, the success bears out, you know, talent competition. So the more successful those sectors become, the more talent we've got to provide homes to, uh, to house them. I think we've got such a great set of assets to bring talent in, to set up homes and, and bring up families. So those, that talent's coming in the development in terms of the universities and then I think it's the uh, sector skills that perhaps we've, we've taken out with the devolution deal Greater Manchester has uh, agreed with the government and one of the initiatives there which I think is, uh, is unique in the country is that our colleges will work together to provide courses for 16 to 18 year olds to get into those professions that perhaps they might not be able to do through universities so that's one thing that We'll be looking at those nine colleges working together on that uh, the skills for the future to get those young people into careers straight away, or as a stepping stone into those digital careers, or the you know the shortage of uh, 
of, of workforce that we have across those key sectors. You mentioned earlier the importance of the arts and creative industries. Tell us a little more about how significant those are. I guess partly for the city's brand and for how people perceive it, what they think of when they think of Manchester, but also for for its economy, for what it produces, for its industries. So I think uh, the city knows that as a global city, I think uh, culture, the sports, music is a key part of any global city and it's an, an underpinning um, asset. So we're seeing a step change actually in culture because the city does invest in culture and infrastructure. And I think there's a unique opportunity in the next two years because we'll see key new new assets opening. So we have the Factory International opening in, in July and that's going to be home to world-class performance and culture, which is homegrown and commissioned. Uh, so that'll be home to the current international festival which is biannual and that'll be an all year round program uh, which is real a real step change so if you think about the shed in new york it's something of that status a fantastic architectural building which is really attractive right in the heart of the city in addition to that uh, next year we'll see a second arena so it's going to be the, the largest in europe 23,000 indoor arena which will be the home of live music so that will add to the arena we have already and the other sports grounds that's usually used for music events. So I think music going forward in the next two years will be a significant step change in our cultural offer. So I think that cultural offer really underpins and adds to an attractiveness for investors, people who want to come and do business in, in the region. Absolutely. And we've touched on a couple of big development schemes there. What role does the real estate industry have in Manchester's success? How, how are you seeing the built environment reshaping the city? I, I guess on quite a, quite a literal level. It's literal. So I think, you know, five years ago, if you walked around the, where the library's right central in our council buildings, there wouldn't have been trams there. There wouldn't have been uh, magnificent new building blocks and a, a, a tree-lined avenue it was quite a different area five years ago. So that in itself, it's attractiveness. It is a home for financial and professional businesses to set up right in the heart of the city. And then of course, with our high rise, we've got the, the skyline is now half a dozen more large buildings, which then changes the dynamic and the skyline of, of, the, of the city. So, we have city living now, not only in apartments, but we have some really lovely family homes around our neighbourhoods and new neighbourhoods. So I think it's creation of neighbourhoods. It's creation of really uh, strong quality commercial offering, retail offering, which keeps people coming in. And obviously the food and drink offer as well, which is phenomenally developed over the last five or six years. So much of, of the conference that we're sitting at now uh, has been talking about public-private partnerships. How crucial is it for Manchester to, to show private sector developers, whether they're based in the UK or coming in from overseas, that they will be welcomed with open arms by, um, by the public sector and, and sort of given that support and shared vision that they can, they can buy into when they're, when they're developing, you know, we, we've touched on things from as big as a, as big as a sort of stadium um, 
down to, I, I guess, residential developments in the city centre. Yeah, I think that's something that Manchester really prides itself on in, in terms of partnership. Uh, I think the you know, pioneering nature and the can-do, the doing things differently, we do come together. I think we're a big city, but we've got flexibility to work together. So in any of these real estate events, we come as a private and public uh, partnership. And I think that's why we, we get things done probably in a more flexible, adaptable, quicker way, perhaps more, um, you know, working in that partnership where it has really been at the forefront and the, the backbone of the, the success of Manchester over the last, say, three decades. Um, talk a little about the city's sustainability journey, if you can, and how, um, and how efforts to, to make Manchester greener have delivered. So I think in terms of the green agenda, you know, it's everywhere at the moment. And so Manchester has been given the accolade of the top large UK city of the future, uh, which is, you know, it's a great ranking to have. And part of that city of the future, obviously the digital side of things, but on the low carbon side, innovation, working towards that science-based target of becoming net zero by 2030, it's really important. So that's right through all of our manifesto, all of our plans in terms of that. Uh, that key uh, aim and of course private and public sector working together on that with net zero developments pushing through looking at retrofit programs our heating systems right across the city you can see that's changing um, what, what we do even the science and industry museum you know a Victorian building has driven through a ground heat pump and if a Victorian building can do that in a you know pretty major way then I'm sure that gives us hope for, for other buildings uh, to do that. So I think it's set to revolutionise sustainable um, construction. I think most of the developers are really taking in that to heart. Not only in the sustainability way for net zero but in the physical um, look and feel of the place. We've seen a much greener city grow over the last um, five years with Mayfield Park, really green, beautiful park running, running through. Uh, with the Castlefield Viaduct, the National Trust, and working with the local community, putting a kind of skyline through of beautiful gardens. And we're, we're going to see more of that coming up. So it's much greener city than it definitely was five years ago. I think that's fantastic. And um, as I mentioned, so many cities here at UK Reef making their pitch, talking about what they're, they're trying to do differently. I wonder if just as a as a final thought for our listeners, you could um, you could let us know what what would you want other cities here at the conference to see in Manchester and be inspired by. I think the infrastructure, how it blends uh, together, you know, in terms of commercial and homes, bringing people back in, people living in Manchester city centre, you know, tenfold over the last decade. So people live and work in Manchester city centre uh, and right around, around the boroughs. So Greater Manchester, 10, 10 local authorities, each with their own individual uniqueness. I think, you know, 2.8 million people, all with their own assets. And I think it's a Greater Manchester having a, a private and public sector ambition and that pioneering thinking, those frontier sectors will drive and help the built environment as it, uh, impacts and then delivers on our spatial plans and our infrastructure plans. I think the devolution deal in terms of the, the things that we agreed on, I've mentioned skills already, which is really important for driving all of those sectors, but 
transport definitely one to look out for already with the B network has been implemented but that's an initiative that goes right across Greater Manchester clean air better for people to get around to work and live it's a hygiene factor but it's something that's you know we, we, we want to do better at so I think th those are the things that I think we're going to drive the city forward and the last thing that we ask for on that devolution deal is housing to look at housing right across all affordable uh, incomes. I think it's the it, that's built environment brings those things together uh, along with a, a great place to live uh, and, and work on the cultural and sporting side as well, good quality of life. Well I think if other cities can't find something to be inspired by in that they might not be looking hard enough. <laughs> Shona thank you so much for, for being with EG today and for sharing your thoughts on the outlook for Greater Manchester and the opportunities ahead. If you've listened to this and would like more from EG at UK Reef then you can listen to the rest of our podcasts from the conference at egi.co.uk forward slash news.